Welcome to the Teaching and Lectio podcast for the Abbey, a contemplative vineyard church in Columbus, Ohio. You can find previous teachings and our contemplative reading of the scriptures on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on our website at theabbeycolumbus.church. There, you'll also find important announcements, along with the location and time of our all-church gatherings and community groups throughout the city. The Abbey is committed to being a church that helps people notice and nurture the work of God in their own lives, in the lives of others, and in the world around us. Here's this week's message. Good morning. It's good to see all of you. Um, As Heather mentioned, my name is Erin George, and we're going to take time this morning just to reflect and hear from some folks in our community about their stories of what 2022 looked like for them. Um, One of the things I thought of when Heather was sharing these prompts is if nothing immediately came to your mind, maybe you're someone who like really identifies with things in art. Maybe it's like cutting out pictures from magazines, things that'll help you just begin to identify and think about emotions and things that you experienced in the year. Um, I can't always just sit down with a notebook and write everything out, so maybe just even think about how to invite God into that reflection for yourself outside of this time. So I just wanted to draw your attention to something that's really important for us here at the Abbey, and that is just our capacity and desire to know what our story is and how that fits into the grander story, the greatest story, the biggest story. So taking time to look back and learn our own story is an essential part of that. So we're going to spend time there this morning. We're gathering here as a space to begin that practice, and so we're also going to make that a priority by setting time aside to do that together. So I'm going to invite some folks to come forward, and we're going to begin to hear from one another this morning. And just know going forward, we're going to incorporate this into ways that we gather throughout the year so that we hear from one another, and this just becomes a really natural fit and part of what we're doing here. So first, I'm going to ask Carrie Barrows to come forward, and she's going to spend some time telling us about her story this morning. Good morning. Hi, everybody. Um, Psalm 61-2 has been an anchor in my life for the last several years. When I've needed a reminder that what I see is not the whole story, it says, from the ends of the earth I cry to you when my heart is weak. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. It's been a beautiful and hard year. If I had to choose one word to describe 2022, it would probably be tension. The tension of holding grief and joy at the same time. The tension between what is and what is not yet come. The tension of not knowing where home will be, of waiting for scans, tests, pathology reports. And the beautiful tension of two lives joining into one, holding in my heart the fulfillment of a dream nearly forgotten and still remembering where and in whom my hope truly lies. I went wedding dress shopping the day we found out my dad has cancer. There was a hollow, nervous energy as my family sat masked, waiting for me to try on dress after dress, everyone's reactions a little overdone in an effort to mute the fear in all of us. He waited until after the last shop to tell me and my sister that it was lymphoma. I'd quit my job job just two weeks prior, planning to uproot my life and move to Texas to be with Mo. 
Um, but when we received the news that it was stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, Mo made the beautifully sacrificial decision to move to Ohio to support my family during his treatment journey. My dad underwent a bone marrow transplant in August and received a clear scan in November, giving us what I call the best possible news about the worst possible thing. And through all of that, Mo and I got married, both of us for the first time on a 105 degree day in Austin, Texas, <laughs> surrounded by those we love. Um, we settled into life here in the strange world of figuring out how to live with another after years of living alone. Um, it has brought joys I never considered and all of the sweet moments of a shared life that I had hoped for. And like all relationships, it has brought challenges that neither of us anticipated, the greatest of which is the continued uncertainty about where we plan to root long-term. Hope and fear, joy and grief, and God in the midst of it, inviting each of us to anchor to him, inviting me to anchor to him. Very little about the last year looked the way I imagined it would, but in the midst of it, I knew he was asking me to hold both. I wanted to have tunnel vision, seeing only the joy, hope, and beauty, but I needed to hold both. I needed to sit in the joyful day that was our wedding, all the while holding the grief of seeing my dad so sick and weakened by his cancer treatments. I need to celebrate and rejoice with my family about the clear scan, while holding the sobering reality that he will likely fight this cancer again. I need to celebrate and revel in the beautiful gift God has given me and Mo while holding the unique challenges we faced in our first year of marriage. My perspective is limited in every area of my life. I can only see so far. And when my focus is centered on what is just around me, it becomes nearly impossible to hold joy and grief together. It's in the quiet moments of desperation that I've sensed him beckoning me to follow and find that higher rock, the source of my hope. When we allow the Lord to lead us to himself, to the higher rock, we can, even if just briefly, hold the two together as he reminds us that we're not alone. He's with us. He sees us in our weakness. He is the one who calls those who mourn blessed. He is the one who wept over his love for us and his desire to avoid separation from the Father. He is the one who calls himself both the beginning and the end, encompassing the tension of that which is not yet within his very being. We were invited to share about how we've cooperated with God's work in our lives this year, and the truth is barely. I would describe my actions as more of a clinging than a climbing this year, but there is great beauty and freedom in that. He is a rock we can cling to even when we can't stand firm. His hand extended an invitation did not require me to have a profound understanding of my need for God. He does and will respond to the smallest movements of our hearts. One of my favorite books on prayer is by O'Halsby. And in the first chapter, he talks about how the whole substance of prayer is simply the soul crying out to God in helplessness. And it is that cry of helplessness when our hearts are weak that creates the space within us to be led to the rock that is higher. It's sometimes all I can muster, but it's enough. Thanks, Carrie. I'll let you just like take a deep breath and receive her story. 
um, hearing that just reminds me of like as community, our invitation to really root for each other. Um, gosh, when things are really hard for me, I'm so drawn to being able to love and support and pray for other people. I don't know if you experience that as well, but um, I love hearing other people's stories because there's always a yes and, you know, you hear that and then you identify with some part of that in some way and just our invitation to root for each other. So I'm going to invite Heath to come forward now and he's going to share a bit about what 2022 has looked like for him. So in 2022, what felt significant for me was um, two programs uh, that I participated in. One's with the Vineyard. Um, uh, it, it's done in the Greater Vineyard uh, movement. It's called Emotionally Focused. And then another one is uh, called Formational Healing, which uh, we did here through the Abbey last summer through the summer school formation. Um, through Formational Healing and Emotionally Focused, um, I, I can relate to Carrie and what she said. I sometimes wrestle with God and the invitations that I have. And so um, through those programs, I was able to recommit and renew myself to my own formational healing and transformation, even the hardest stuff for me. Um, one of the things that I was uh, present to uh, through formational healing specifically last summer was uh, childhood trauma that I went through um, growing up. And um, so in recommitting myself to my own formational healing and transformation um, with that having happened, um, I was able to also uh, continue um, in my own formational healing and continual growth. In 2022, I became present to childhood trauma and its impact on me and my life. Formational healing has given me some helpful tools to continue to live towards and from my own formational healing and transformation. With Emotionally Focused, I started coaching this year. Um, a couple of uh, coachees um, that are part of uh, Emotionally Focused. And this gave me the opportunity to keep my own healing and transformation, uh, my own uh, healing and transformation active and in front of me, being renewed every day. God has met me in these things and invited me on this journey with him. And uh, as far as cooperating uh, with God and, and, and with others, uh, this has involved committing myself daily and giving my yes on an ongoing basis to God as I continue to walk with him and follow him through these things. So that, in, sorry, that includes daily surrender, showing up, remaining present, continual prayer, conversation, and discernment with God and others. Those people include that I'm in community with, of course, my wife, Angie, and then our spiritual director, um, all, some of you here at the Abbey, uh, my boss at work, colleagues that I work with, and some of the people that I work uh, with and for. Um, at the property management uh, company that I, that work, I work at. Um, I'm going to read a poem that means a lot to me and kind of encapsulates the struggle for me of, I, I, well, my love language is wrestling. 
and uh, <laughs> um, I am blessed with a family that does not like to wrestle, and so that's hard for me. I find myself wrestling a lot with God. I sometimes wrestle with the kids and with Angie, but they don't let me do that for very long. Um, but uh, I think this poem captures what 22 has been for, uh, 2022 has been for me, and then um, my life actually um, has been for me. Uh, this is... Um, And this is going to seem a little counterintuitive, but I'm just going to leave this with you. And if it means something great. Um, this is about uh, when Mary encounters Jesus um, at the tomb and um, doesn't recognize Jesus at first and then clings to Jesus. And Jesus tells her that he has, or she has to let go of him because he hasn't ascended to the Father. And so this poem is called, Let Me Go. Before I read the poem, this is just a statement that's made about this poem. Sometimes what seems like orthodoxy can be a well-hidden and well-disguised heresy. Despairing, she hears the familiar voice of Jesus, Mary, Rabbi, her heart testifying to what the mind cannot fathom. She rushes to Jesus, seeking to hold on to what was, but is no more. Mary, do not cling to me. Let go, I must ascend. Mary, do not hold on to the old. Expand your mind, transcend what was. Dualistic life and death thinking that fosters judgment, hinders creativity, embrace the new. Free me to be I am, that I might free you to live. Thank you. Thanks, Heath. Um, just take a moment to just take a deep breath and receive Heath's story. And even reflecting on what Carrie shared and now what Heath has shared. What dots connect for you? What things are coming up for you that even in these questions, these prompts, you were reminded of that maybe you didn't think of before? Give you a moment to just sit with that. So our final story for this morning is going to come from Sister Heather. So I'm going to give her a chance to make her way forward. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to her now. So the last few years, I've developed this practice in December that has quickly become my favorite spiritual rhythm. I go away for a few days and I do an annual examine, and part of this involves reading all of my journals from that year. One of the things I love most about this practice is that often the work of God in my life is so slow that I don't really begin to notice or appreciate it until I read through my journals. I can see the difference between 
how I talked about things and situations at the beginning of the year versus how I was talking at them at the end. It's been tremendously encouraging for my faith and my trust in God. But it can also be really hard. When I read, I spend about a day, day and a half reading through everything, certain patterns and ways of being and um, ways of thinking that are not helpful really begin to leap out at me. And at the end of last year, I started to notice that I was being particularly hindered in my life with God, my life with, in community, by this very transactional way of relating. Uh, I had a very transactional way of relating to God. It seemed like all of my conversations from the year revolved around things I needed, things I wanted, trying to figure out what God wanted. It was all doing and no being. I noticed the way I related to other people. Um, there was so much anxiety in me in every interaction. I would, I basically felt every time I was with somebody that I had to earn their time and attention. So immediately I needed to contribute some sort of value to the interaction in order to feel like I belonged. And it was really obvious, reading back through my journals, how much this was keeping me from developing the deeper relationships that I've been longing for, and particularly with God. This wasn't a new awareness for me. Several years ago, when my daughter moved out on her own, I was complaining to God, which I, I did a lot that year, about how she rarely returned my texts, she never seemed to want to hang out, and pretty much the only time she called me was if she was freaking out about something or needed to be rescued in some way. And I remember God speaking so clearly to me that it almost knocked me out of the chair. God said, hmm, I know exactly how you feel. Now a lot has been said about how God relates to us as young children. But it was really when my daughter became an adult that I began to learn this whole new side of how God relates to us and how God loves us in our freedom and independence. I didn't want to relate to God this way, and I really just had no way how to change it. I didn't know what I could do to make it different. I tried a lot of different things. And so at the end of that year, I just made a commitment to work on healing this aspect of my relationship. Now pay attention to my words because this will be important later. I made the decision to work on healing the relationship. So almost immediately there was an invitation to wordless prayer. I did not like this at all. How will I know how well I'm doing? I constantly evaluated my relationship with God based on what I experienced in my interactions with God. If I wasn't saying anything and God wasn't saying anything, how did I know it was working? I was still trying to earn God's love. It was in getting curious about this resistance that led me to the realization that this went so much 
deeper than just only praying when I needed something from God. First, I noticed a tremendous reliance on self-sufficiency in a very utilitarian way of viewing myself. I also noticed that if I didn't earn God's love, I wasn't really able to receive it. This, this sounds horrible to say, but God's free gift of grace and unconditional love felt a little bit like a participation trophy we all get just for being born, and I didn't value it. And then I also began to realize that I couldn't even imagine that God wanted to spend time with me, that God actually enjoyed just being with me. Well, it shouldn't have surprised me that I couldn't transact my way into a non-transactional relationship with God. I was tired of doing everything in my own power. And so finally, I asked God to heal this aspect of our relationship. Soon after that, I began to hunger for silence. I couldn't wait to spend 10 to 20 minutes here and there in wordless prayer. It was such a relief to sit in that silence and not have to do anything. I learned how to let God love me, not for what I do, but who I am. And this has made all the difference in the world, not just in my relationship with God, but how I show up. I have always been so drawn to the work that Hannah is doing on Sullivan Avenue. Before I even moved here from Los Angeles, I was planning to be a part of it. I had the training dates on my calendar. As soon as I could possibly get there, I was there. But when I would show up in those spaces, I felt so awkward. I was so concerned about whether or not they would like me, whether or not they would accept me, whether I would do the right thing or say the right thing. I couldn't just be. And this year, learning how to be in God's presence, learning how to receive God's love has completely changed the way I show up in that space. I don't feel awkward at all anymore. I feel nothing but love and peace in a way I've never experienced. Just this past Friday, I was driving one of the women to a doctor's appointment, and she was talking in the car about how dope sick she was. Now, normally, I would have been really frustrated by my helplessness, my inability to do anything to relieve her suffering, and I was able to be radically present to her and that's really all she needed. She just didn't want to be alone. So this shift in my relationship with God took place in around June, and I began uh, volunteering at Sanctuary Night every week in August. And a really funny thing happened around that time. My daughter started calling me, not because she needed something, not because she wanted me to do something for her, but just because she wanted to talk to me. And then she said, could we have a regular weekly time that we talk on the phone? I was like, yes. <laughs> now she texts me all the time. She calls me regularly. We talk almost every day. 
And so I was praising God for the joy I was experiencing to know that she just loves being in my presence. And God said, hmm, I know exactly how you feel. Amen. I'm going to give you a minute just to spend time receiving and holding Heather's story. Sometimes feel like when we hear each other's stories, it's the reminder of like the Wizard of Oz when Dorothy pulls back, when they pull back the, the curtain and they realize like it's just a man behind the curtain. Like, like we're just people just doing our stories, doing our lives and how much we need each other and that interaction. And so while we maybe just bump into each other on Sundays or in our community formation groups, how important it is to really get behind the curtain of each other's lives and know what's going on and what levers we're pulling and the things that we're doing um, and just the invitation there. So we're going to do an activity, but before we do that, I just want to read a poem for you. So if you would just enter into um, some of that quiet space again, close your eyes. It's called Patient Trust. Above all, trust in the slow work of God. We are quite naturally impatient in everything to reach the end without delay. We should like to skip the intermediate stages. We are impatient on being on the way to something unknown, something new. And yet, it's the law of all progress that it is made by passing through some stages of instability and that it may take a very long time. And so I think it is with you. Your ideas mature gradually. Let them grow. Let them shape themselves without undue haste. Don't try to force them on as though you could be today what time, that is to say grace and circumstances, acting on your own goodwill, will make of you tomorrow. Only God could say what this new spirit gradually forming within you will be. Give our Lord the benefit of believing that his hand is leading you and accept the anxiety of feeling yourself in suspense and incomplete. So we're going to do something now that's similar to our Lectio Sundays where we're going to break up and share with each other. But I want you to take that poem with you as you begin to think about 2023 and what your invitation from the Lord might be there. So we're going to provide space for you to share with one another. And I'm going to give you about 15 minutes in those breakout groups. If you would try to narrow your group down to maybe three or four, because I would love for us to do a few things. I'd like you to share how are you desiring God to show up in your life in 2023? And we have a slide with this on, so you won't have to remember these things, but just receive them right now as I read them. 
what's a practical step you could take to nurture that work? I think sometimes when we can like identify just one thing and maybe like it was Heather's, you know, quiet prayer, like what could be the thing that God has for you? And then in that breakout time, how can we pray for you? So when you're thinking about what in the ways that you're desiring God to show up and the practical thing, how can we pray for you in this community to support that? So I'm going to give you about 15 minutes now. So if you'll just, you can either turn to someone nearby, you can get up and move around, but just loop your chairs around and break into some groups for about 15 minutes and share with one another, answering these questions and praying for each other.